welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Webb. Hello. And Eddie Webb only. Hello. Well, Eddie Webb and his background noise that you can probably Hello. hear whenever he talks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because same caveat as we've had a million times is that we are all working with other people, which is not what we signed up for when we signed up to go work from home. I just want to say that. No. Yeah. The whole point was being away from people. Yeah, I signed up to be isolated and to wear pajamas all day and just not not talk to people. I feel like I was lied to by the recruiter. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's not good. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, this week uh, I recorded a roundtable with a couple of the Exalted developers. So Ooh. yeah. So in the uh, bit you're about to hear, I talked to Eric Minton, who is one of the co-devs for all of Exalted. Um, a lot of what he does are the Splat Core books. He is like one of our lore masters. Uh, he's been working on Exalted for forever, which you'll hear once we get to the roundtable. Um, we have Monica Specka, who has been working on Exalted for a little while, has been playing Exalted for decades, and... I uh, just developed Crucible of Legends and uh, is working on Exalted Essence right now. And then we have Neil Raymond Price, who likewise uh, developed Crucible and Exalted Essence uh, with Monica as, as co-dev. And has also been working on Exalted since, I think, second edition. Um, it all comes up in the thing. Uh, <laughs> but has been playing it since 2001 when it came out. Um, you almost need to be an Exalted fan to work on Exalted. Because <laughs> there's yeah. so much lore. Like, there are parts of it you could definitely um, work on without having, like, full knowledge of it, as long as you're willing to read a little bit here and there. But most of our kind of high-level people on Exalted, except me, I'm the weird exception, uh, are people that have been playing it for almost two decades. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the podcast before, but I feel like for especially established games, established properties, um, you kind of need both. You need people who are deeply invested and knowledgeable about what makes the property tick and what makes right. it exciting and interesting and all the little bit, you know, here's a bit of lore that we could bring up and other fans really resonate on this. And you also really need someone who can go, okay, but at the end of the day, what is the product we're making? Here's the things it needs to do and it needs to accomplish those because it's a, you can get a nice balance of making sure that the texture and depth is there, but also you have someone who's going, okay, but is this project hanging together? Is it, is it cohesive? Is it logical? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, that's part of like, for those who don't know, if anyone has missed it, that's why we have a three developer team on Exalted Essence um, and that Monica and Neil are doing like the nitty gritty of the book development. And I am looking over their shoulder going, but why? But why is it that way? Why would you do that? Why? And sometimes the answer is because Exalted players will recognize this from other editions and it's not that hard to pick up for new players. Um, or because it's something that's kind of quintessential to the feel of the game. And in those cases, I go, oh, okay, cool, carry on. Yeah. But in some cases, I'm like, why is that there? And they're like, I don't know, it's always been that way. And I'm like, make it go, go away. Get right. rid of it. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Because the whole point of Exalted Essence is to make a game that is appealing to players of Exalted, old and new alike. Um, so if something is just too, like, mired in esoteric stuff. Like, I don't know, imagine if you had a vampire player and they were brand new to vampire and you were like, okay, you have to know about all these weird elders from a revised edition book <laughs> from right. the 4th century or else you can't play this game. 
Right, right. Before I can play this game, I need to explain to you how the Tremere clan came into existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, when really, like, you're a vampire is right. another explanation for a lot of people. Like, mm -hmm. like, people know what a vampire is. So in Exalted, it's like, you're the chosen champion of a god. Um, maybe we don't need to go into the cosmology of Yushan and the Unconquered Sun right away. <laughs> we can We can leave that back a little bit. Exactly, but but you know, again, that I think it's why the balance works well, particularly on something like exalted essence, is because you're literally getting to the essence of exalted. So, those experts are going to be able to say, okay, here's the things that are really, really important, and you're able to kind of push back and 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 get them to reconsider options until between you, you're able to come up with that distilled experience. Whereas if the people who are deeply invested in lore are not given that pushback, they will assume that a lot of it is important because to them it's important. And someone you don't have the context with, well, I don't understand what any of it's important. So I'll just pick a few things that seem like they're important to me um, that may not actually resonate well. So yeah, definitely getting those teams to, to, to balance it out is always really, really exciting, I think. Yeah. And can you say, I'm just going to pat my own back for like for one second here. No, go for it. Because I know that very often on the podcast. I am so proud of the title Exalted Essence and I had to fight other developers for that title. <laughs> Because really? they wanted to call it something else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. And I was like, this is the perfect title. Because Exalted uses essence as a thing in yep. the game. And then also, it's the essence of the game. And also, yep. it's short and punchy. And and it abbreviates down to either XS, which I find funny, because it's not <laughs> excessive. Or, if you take that even further, it, it breaks down to the letters XS, which means extra small. And so it's extra small <laughs> Exalted. And so it works at like five levels, <laughs> and I'm so happy with it. I just like the fact also that it's alliterative. Yeah, I mean, we we usually call it like XS instead of E or whatever. Right. Like I will get emails from Monica and and, and Neil and anybody else that, that call it like letter X, letter S. Right. And I'm like, there's not an X or an S in the title, but I know what you mean because <laughs> we <we've, laughs> right. like because we started abbreviating it to like EXESS, and then it mm -hmm. just it's it's. It's already got all those weird gamer permutations, and it's not even, like, out of red lines yet. But right. here we are. Well, at least you don't have a game that abbreviates down to TC ass. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Trendy Continuous Assassins. And one of the emails I got was abbreviated to TC ass, and I was like, "Just so you know, we're never doing this again. Yeah, didn't they, didn't they send you a screenshot of, like, yes. something I had gotten? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's because like you're showing me because the 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 um the the file had automatically truncated to like you know fit the screen and it was just ass dot dot dot. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, cool. I'm glad to be working on Trinity Continuum ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, that's that's an interesting thing that I'll talk about really briefly before we go into the the roundtable is that we do have to actually look at acronyms and yep. shortening game lines because people are going to. Mm -hmm. um, granted, for a lot of things, they're just going to shorten it to the first word. So a lot of people play vampire. A lot of people play, you know, people are, are were buying deviant, hunter, geist, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, that's fine. And then when you type it, a lot of people just do the, like, you know, three to four letter obvious acronym for it. And folks know what that means. Mm -hmm. But I have seen, like, we, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry Matthew's not here because we had a lot of discussion about they came from beneath the sea. And, yeah. and it's, and it's, it's iterations where I was pushing for the letter acronym that we are using mm -hmm. because the F should be lowercase. Right. And so when you write out, they came from, because they came has obvious problems. Um, yes. So when you write out, they came from, 
they were capitalizing the F so it would look weird, but then I was like, but that's wrong for the title. And it was just, it was a whole thing we'd talk about. And you also have to make sure that you're not either having the same exact acronym or shortening as something very famous, which is why we do Chronicles of Darkness as C of D instead of C O D because C O D is right. Call of Duty. Yep. Um, or it doesn't turn into something dirty or really weird <laughs> that you don't want it to turn into. Wear off the Forsaken is an example. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love writing that one. Uh, I think Demon the Fallen is worse. Uh, the uh, DTF, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then somebody in the Onyx Path the Discord will ask something about DTF or WTF. And there's always some person who's not as familiar with this game. So he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I don't like this. So... Okay, cool. We really talked about acronyms. Uh, like in this roundtable, we talk a little bit about kind of the feel and mood of Exalted. We're talking about uh, different modes of play. We talk a little bit about Exalted Essence. There's not really any one topic. It's a lot of just a bunch of people that love Exalted talking about what they love about Exalted. Uh, so if you have been on the fence about playing, this should be really interesting. And if you're also a, a, an Exalted player, um, this is not a terrible resource to know kind of a little bit of the why behind, you know, the, the way that we do some things. So on to the round table. This is Dixie Cochran, one of your hosts here for the Exalted Roundtable with Neil Raymond Price. Hello. You're here with Monica Specka. Hey. And the wonderful and person who isn't on the podcast nearly as much as he should be, Eric Minton. Oh, thank you. Hello, everybody. Hey, Eric. It's so exciting to have all three of you here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Exalted as a project, Exalted as a product, Exalted as its design. I know all three of you were Exalted fans um, and sometimes homebrewers before you came into the game itself uh, as like official contributors. So this is going to be fun. Um, all right. So to start us off, I want to talk a little bit I know we've had you all on previously, so we know kind of what got everybody into Onyx Path and why everybody working for Onyx Path. But I want to talk a little bit about what got you all into Exalted and also how the transition was from like kind of fan slash homebrewer to you are now officially in charge of some of the canon. Um, so I want to start that question with Eric because. On the Exalted Discord the other day, we had a fan who just realized that you were a homebrewer that they had known for like years and years and years. So that's that's got to be a little surreal, right? To go from like being a fan and playing the game and maybe doing some writing to being in charge of the line. It was a long and weird journey, I guess. Jeez. Uh, so, I mean, I started on Exalted like right from the beginning because I was a huge White Wolf fan and I was buying all the White Wolf books and trying to play all the games at conventions. And I was like, hey, this looks new and interesting. Let me play this. And it was an amazingly cool setting. And I started a game with my local vampire group and I started posting online about, you know, our original campaign and people liked it and followed it. And that's where I got a lot of practice actually writing mm -hmm. and from there i was like hey i'm sort of going off canon in a lot of ways let me write down what i'm doing and figure things out and work out some like new mechanical gugas and so forth and i would post them to the original exalted wiki which is still around after almost 20 years oh my god <laughs> and my original posts are still there 
And that's how I got into uh, actually writing for Exalted because while second edition uh, Manual of Exalted Power Infernals was in development, someone dropped off and I happened to be talking to a former co-fan writer at the time who had gotten a job with White Wolf. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, hey, you know, you are apparently famous nowadays for working on demon stuff and infernal stuff and Yozy stuff. And hey, that's exactly what they need. So that's how I got involved. And that was, it was a big transition from just writing whatever I wanted to as a fan to actually working from an outline and collaborating and being edited and it took some getting used to. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge like difference between writing for yourself and writing for your table and being like, wouldn't this be cool in our game and having to fit it into an existing canon. Yeah. And I've gone through, there, there's certain stages you go through more or less as you go from being a fan writer to being an actual line writer. One of which is, Hey, don't just try and stick in references to every single thing that you put into your home campaign. <laughs> True. Although I, I will say there are definitely some things, as, as far as I've been told in third edition, that are kind of directly from people's home campaigns. Yeah. Um, possibly altered, you know, here or there to fit in. But it's like, well, I had this idea already, and it actually works for this place we're writing, so... <laughs> yeah, like, my feeling on that is you should absolutely use stuff in your home game if it does fit better than anything else that you have an idea for. Especially because mm-hmm. we do have limited time and, you know, limited opportunity to like just endlessly brainstorm for the best possible ideas and also you spent a lot of time building out your campaign a lot of those ideas are not going to fit canon or be the best possible thing but if you're good enough to be a writer for the line you've probably come up with some things on your own time that are as good as we're going to get right i was going to say ideal but you know that's that's not really a word i'd want to use here yeah, no, I, I I totally get you. Like sometimes, especially when you're writing for a line, like you just have to go with whatever idea you have. It might not be the best idea, but you know, it works. It's there. We don't have infinite time to make these books and rewrite them over and over again until they're perfect. <laughs> I often, wish we did. Well, yeah, and often, you know, sometimes you've got an idea that really is a good idea. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to have really good ideas when you're writing the book, you might also have really good ideas when you're running a campaign. And those are also probably ideas that are focused pretty tightly on what's good at the gaming table, which is a very important like, target for when you're actually writing for the game and something that you really need to learn to do if you're going to write for any kind of game line. Yeah, totally. So what was the difference once you went to like, shaping the line? Like once, once, once you went from being a writer and writing to somebody else's vision to being the person who shaped the vision, the person who says like, this is good, this is bad, we need this, we don't need this, etc. Well, more anxiety to start with. <laughs> it was extremely yeah. stressful. Yeah, I, I, for like the first year, I was constantly wondering if I was doing anything right. Um. I it take it took me a while to sort of bridge the hump from I am a novice, I need advice, I need help to oh wait, no, I actually know what I'm doing. I actually have good ideas. I can actually tell the difference between which of my ideas suit the needs of the line and which ones don't. Yeah, no, I I got to say like I am 
constantly impressed by how much exalted knowledge our, our team holds in their collective heads. Uh, it is fascinating to me that somebody will ask some question about some like obscure location that was mentioned in one book in second edition. And suddenly everybody's like, I have thoughts on this and <laughs> this is how it affects this. And I'm like, how do you know all these things? Like it's, it's the same feeling I have when I hear uh, Matthew Dawkins talk about vampire because he just has all of it in his head. And I'm like, how, how, how do you do that? I was, uh, I was doing a little bit of, of writing for vampire recently and I was sitting there like, I want to give this person a sire, but I don't know enough of the canon characters to know who would be a good sire for this person. So I'm going to leave it blank and hopefully they'll tell me because <laughs> there's just so much. And with Exalted, it's the same thing. Like there's just so much history there. And as we're working on third edition, we're trying to do the best version of that history and figure out what needs to stay in and what we can retcon and what, you know, needs to be added or changed. And it's, it's just a lot. I am, I'm impressed. I just, I just bow down to all of you. Well, they say that you need like what seven years or like a thousand or ten thousand hours of practice to master a field. Uh, sort of tells you like where our interests and focus lie. We're we're super gaming nerds. <laughs> Monica, Neil, are you nerds? Is that yes. is that a thing? I will cop to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm more of a jock who still goes to the chess club, but sounds about right. Uh, I am just a nerd who's jock shaped. <laughs> we have one one jock shaped nerd, one uh, nerd in jock's clothing. Uh, I am not a jock, but I'm also maybe not the same kind of nerd as y'all. But I get really upset about like whether or not something is hyphenated. So I'm a very different kind of nerd. You and I are both editing geeks. Yeah, it's, it's actually very funny working with Eric. I just want to say this real quick before you pass it on to Monica or Neil, um, because Eric is also an, an, an editor and a, a quite good one. Uh, so compared to other developers, we have more conversations about if I edit a book for him. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just more like, why did you do this? And I'm like, oh, because I'm following this style guideline. And he's like, oh, we follow a different style guideline at my work, so I do this. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever you want to do for Exalted, because Exalted is your baby. But like, just let me know what you want the style to be for some of it. Um, and it's 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 funny because most of my other developers are not editors uh, with the exception actually of of neil who has done some editing um but most of them just don't care what i do <laughs> or they care but they have no real opinion on it and uh i actually like the fact that that eric cares about the the style of the line as 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 well as the content thank you um, and i do enjoy our conversations about it yeah because we're both grammar nerds yay so monica same question. How is the feeling of transitioning from like a many, many years homebrewer to uh, a, a, a writer and now a developer on the line? Uh, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think I have to uh, agree with Eric that it's now there's more anxiety, but it's anxiety that I'm really excited about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you can be nervous and thrilled at the same time, uh, that's that's where I am. Should, um, should, should we coin a word like excited? Ang excited? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Um, Panic excited? What was that? Panic excited? Panic excited. Yeah, that's go. even better. That Panic just excited. sounds like you're excited about a wide range of things. <laughs> I mean, I am. It's okay, true. all right, all right. My current uh, <laughs> Animal Crossing pa passport title is Unrestrained Enthusiast. So that applies. It's fine. 
Um, My Animal Crossing title has been Internet Trash since I got new birds, <laughs> Internet and Trash. Uh, it was Unstoppable Force for a little while because why would I not give myself an exalted epithet in, in <laughs> Animal Crossing? Oh my god, they are exalted epithets, aren't they? <laughs> um, but the, the particularly thrilling thing is that I get to work with you guys on making Essence, which is going to be really great. Um, and I, I think that's that's a whole other can of worms, but like being part of the team and sharing the responsibility of like, well, this is how we're going to shape things to do the thing that we propose together to be better for everyone and to like make this exalted for everyone sparkles uh, version has been really thrilling and like straight up one of the things keeping me afloat while the world ends around us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want I just, to play test essence. Uh, you and everybody else, man. <laughs> you but, are one of the people on my list of like oh, people yeah. who will almost definitely play test it. Like I have a, uh, that's I, I was talking to Neil about this the other day. Actually, is that I'm going to have to actually vet the playtesters for this one. Like often with other games, like we were doing Deviant recently, we had like a few groups. Like I think Matt McElroy put a group together, and like Eric Zawatsky had his home group, and like one of our other friends. And we had a couple of like playtested conventions, and it was very chill, you know, because like Deviant's awesome, but it doesn't quite have the like rabid fan base of Exalted <laughs> um, especially because it's it's new but with um, with, with Exalted I, I I would need both hands and possibly both feet to count the amount of people who have come to me and been like can I play test it and I'm like All same right. I can't have like 40 play test groups y'all right. yeah, lots of people have been like can I play test it and I'm like that's not even a question I'm answering right now <laughs> and it's not my question to answer anyway so I'll just I'll just write your name down they put you on the list you're on the list We'll we'll talk later. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, yeah it, we're 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 gonna have to be like playtest bouncers on on some level because yes, more playtesting is better on on one hand. Um, on the other hand, I feel like feedback could get really muddy yeah. if we have like forty groups once again, which is you know, two hundred people. Too many. <laughs> yeah, that's too many. That's too many. Uh, so I a hundred percent agree. Um, and I'm almost done editing charms. Which has You're not been, editing them. You're redlining them. I mean, I'm not them. editing, but uh, <laughs> I'm not editing them. I'm redlining them. I'm mostly dragging them into the current iteration of the system, kicking and screaming, is what I'm doing right now. No, and that's a um, that's a solid point that you were saying earlier. Um, Chronicles of Darkness is a mature system. Um, it's been around for uh, almost almost like seven years at this point. Uh, for a second edition. Yeah, yeah, for second edition. Um, you know, by and large, people have enough experience with it to be able to eyeball the system pretty well and be mm -hmm. able to eyeball facts and figures. And Essence is new. Um, it's, it's sufficiently different from Exalted 3rd Edition that it requires actual fine-tuning. It requires a lot of feedback for that. Yeah, but just not, not 200 feedbacks. <laughs> Maybe like 50 to 100 feedbacks. Maybe. We'll uh, see. I don't know if this will get edited. I don't know if it's too behind the scenes, but I will say it for the point of discussion. Um, they, uh, because, you know, we work yes. on drafts like all at the same time. Everybody was working on first drafts at the same time. So Danielle, who was doing all our systems work, was not 100% done updating the like alpha draft into what was going to become basically the core system. And of course, 
you know, that needed a little testing. And then we had to mm-hmm. like give Dan, I had to have something concrete to give Danielle feedback on. And of course, at the right. same time, everybody's trying to write charms with a system that's kind of incomplete while they were doing it. So a lot of the work that I've been doing is going, okay, Danielle's chapter is complete. I have made notes for her. It's been based on the tests that I did with Henry and a couple people on the team just to make sure that the core system didn't fall off. The wheels did not fall off when they hit the pavement. Right. <laughs> the car stayed together. It ran. Perfect. Uh, and then making sure that everybody else's material matches what all that lined up. And then I could send that over to you two and be like, tell them what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I barely started uh, on, on my pass because um, I'm, I'm the, this is, it's, it's kind of a weird team that dynamic that we put together, but I am the like lead developer on essence but only in that like i am the person who knows exalted the least so i want to make sure it makes sense and that um we're not clinging too hard to sacred cows that we don't need to cling on to your your sensible pass will make everything line up beautifully (laughs) yeah yeah but what i read so far i was super excited about i i right after i read the first um like two thousand words just the the here's creation like here is an entry to creation i read them and then I immediately sent them to Eddie Webb and was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Eddie, it's 2000 words and it explains creation. Like, it's it's 2000 <laughs> words and it explains exalted. Like, what? What? Elliot Freeman is a master writer. Because <laughs> I was just like, Jesus Christ, how did he do this? Because uh, I've spent, you know, two and a half years of people trying to explain exalted to me. And every week something still comes up that I'm like, what? What's that in the setting? What what are you talking about? And like Neil or Monica or Eric or whoever will like explain to me this like weird historic kink of some strange exile type, and I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking? What is this? So no being joke, able to though, convince a data science. Go ahead. No joke though, that is a serious barrier to entry for new players coming to Exalted. Mm-hmm. Is the sheer amount and the weight of Exalted lore, and it's honestly it's not that difficult to explain. Um, it just needs to be broken down into bite-sized, digestible chunks. Mm-hmm. One of the little innovations I'm really excited about in Heirs to the Shogunate um, that that Eric and and uh, Vance are developing um, is the little player sheets in the back that explains what each of the little dynastic factions are that you can literally just hand to a brand new player, and they're like, "Oh, okay, I'm a Tepet, or I'm a I'm a Sinus. I know what that means." Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, actually, it's just one for the entire realm and the other ones you're like you're an outcast or you're a far switch or whatever yes. but the principle stands yeah that's, that's that's cool i mean that's that's what i think uh v5 did with lore sheets and stuff and what we've seen with other other game lines do with a, a lore sheet style thing and it's it's a really helpful thing to just have a little handout like it's it's nice um so let's get around to neil because we didn't and he's talking and i'm sorry i'm just everybody gets excited and then we talk for longer than we mean to uh so neil what is it like for you i know that you're not only one of the exalted developers but you also are you know the the, the scion lead so you've got multiple games that you've kind of like come in and you know possibly like looked at in the past or played when you were younger and now you're in charge of aspects of them what is that like for you uh as eric was saying um it is um, a divide between you know fan and what it takes to actually be a steward of the line. There are elements of Scion that I really like and really enjoy, but I can't necessarily play them up as much as I, I may prefer to because you know honestly it's it's I, I, ha- I have weird idiosyncrasies that I like in games, um, and it's it's a back and forth process, and it and it takes other people weighing in on things. 
um, I can't tell you how many times I've gone onto the Exalted Slack and been like, hey, I really like this thing. It's pretty cool. And everyone else is like, nobody else likes that nail. And I'm like, oh. Didn't that just happen a couple days ago with some character? It did just happen with <laughs> Cyborg Gauto, and we will not get into it <laughs> on, this po- on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, but I mean, no, that's, that, that's actually a good example. He was a character I really liked in second edition. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you found a place for him in there? And through the discussion, we reasonably came to the conclusion that there really is no place to conveniently mention him that doesn't require explaining his entire character. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really it doesn't really help as much. But yeah, I've um, I've been involved in Exalted for since I pre-ordered the limited edition first edition uh, Exalted book. I've been involved in the fan base since then. I, unlike Monica and Eric, was not a prolific homebrewer. I um, ended up schmoozing with the writers, and that's how I got my my job. Um, and I, I like to say that every edition of a game is a reaction to the previous edition. So when second edition came out, and I, I know it's um, it, it was a very old system, and I know it was uh, flying apart in different pieces at the end of second edition but when second edition first came out i saw it immediately fixing a lot of the issues that we saw in first edition and i was like wow this is great and third edition i think was in some ways a reaction to the elements of second edition that didn't quite work um and so with exalted essence i find the odd i find myself in the odd position of looking at exalted three and seeing the things that didn't quite work in it but also looking at what does work in other systems like modern age by green ronin or uh scion you know bionics path and Mm -hmm. working a lot of those mechanical intricacies in there um we like to say that chronicles of darkness and a few other things have been steadily importing more powered by the apocalypse language and DNA over the years. And you can mm-hmm. definitely see some of it coming into essence as well. So just a broader holistic view of the industry's current design fascinations. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, there's, there's so much design happening right now and in so many different spheres and by different, you know, really, really smart creators that it's, it's hard not to crib things here and there, but you're like, Oh, this was really cool. We can see if this works. Um, at, at, at its heart, of course, exalted is still storyteller. Um, because that's that's what the game is. Uh, but at the same time, Essence being not a new edition, but kind of like a side edition is really cool design space, I think, to work in. Um, I know that we, 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 we both saw and learned lessons from various parts of uh, Shadowrun Anarchy and Fate Accelerated, uh, just because it is cool to take a game that's a little complicated and make it less complicated for certain people. Like, I've... The main people around me that I have who could possibly run Exalted for me, for instance, are people like Neil and Megan Fitzgerald, who also knows everything about it. And, um, you know, Monica could run something on- online and it would just be me constantly trying to read my charms and remember what they were because <laughs> I don't have great memory for things that I've read, um, which I've, I've talked about on, on the podcast before. But I, I don't have great memory for things that I that I read um, they, they, they go right out of my head. That's, that's why I can reread a book 28 times. Cause I'll, I'll find things that I forgot about. 
Um, so it takes me a lot to memorize like what a power does. Like if you looked at my L5R character sheet for the game I'm playing in right now, all of my little abilities and powers have a little parenthetical thing next to them that 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 says like make one illusion. <laughs> so I know what it does. <laughs> and charms are so complex to me that like I'm just not I'm I'm personally in, in intimidated by playing Exalted Third. Um any of y'all can jump in by the way. Don't let me monologue because it's a round table. No, man, I no, yeah, I, I don't think any of us were going to argue with you that uh, third edition charms can be intimidating or a lot for someone, even someone who doesn't struggle with the same, like reading something and then memorizing it, because surely you are not alone in right. being the sort of person who maybe doesn't, that doesn't sink in right away. You are not alone in that. There are lots of plenty of other people out there who surely have the same problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it just seems like a lot. So like, I love Exalted Fiction, and I love reading about creation. And I love seeing all the discussions in various discords and slacks and things about like, what Exalted is and what it does and what this weird little place on the map could be. And that's, that's fascinating to me. And I want to play in that world so badly. <laughs> but I was, I was worried about it. And also, like I said, playing with a, a, a veteran is often a little intimidating, even if they don't mean it to be. Just because I remember when I, I played like, vampire for instance with veteran vampire people who knew all about the like you know plot for the past 30 years and they would be like oh you know and 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 you turn a corner and you see this npc and i'd be like okay and like it's supposed to be someone real famous <laughs> and i'm like i don't know who that is do i care does my character care i i don't know how you want me to react and i feel like i'd have that same problem in exalted where they'd be like and then these people showed up and i'd be like okay i think Personally, from every time I've ever played Exalted with people who are brand new and didn't know all the deep lore um, and are making characters based on their like initial understanding of the few things they read in the book or were explained mm-hmm. to them when they sat down at the table, that's more fun to me. Like, I mean, there's two different kinds of fun, but like watching someone discover all of that for the first time um, and be like, well, I don't know who Ligier is. Who's who's that? All right, this weird green-haired dude. Okay, he seems powerful. All right. And then later they're like, oh my God, that was a third circle demon. He was really powerful. He was in human disguise. He was talking to me. And then they like freak out later. And like, <laughs> that that's cool. Like there's something particularly awesome about an outsider or a first timer discovering all that. And oh, and by the way, that example I gave happened in my first game of Exalted. Um, so like that sort of experience nice. and, and like being thrown into that and then like learning about it and watching someone else like, start off not knowing anything and then interacting with these characters who might be important and then later realizing they're important and they had this like really meaningful experience and then it blowing their mind is awesome um and if you're playing with this is not you you specifically dixie sort of a general you if you're playing with people who are dicks about you not knowing everything fuck them they're assholes i mean yeah true you should you should not be shaming people for not knowing everything about a game you should enjoy watching them discover it because you like it too yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. I think part of that's just my my personal anxiety. I have I have I have anxiety brain, um, which yeah. Yeah, I think we all know. No, y'all. <laughs> no. Um. So what's yeah? Go ahead. And oh, also just that whole recapturing the magic thing. I think is really powerful, and it's not even limited, obviously, to you know gaming. You know, watching a movie that you love with somebody who's never seen before is, is much the oh, same yeah. kind of chemistry. And yeah, I, and there's really a lot to value about being experienced with something like Exalted and playing with novices. And it's something that yeah, everyone Yeah, one of my, um, 
I would almost say one of my like love languages is sharing things with people. So I love like you know, taking somebody to a restaurant they've never been to or taking someone to a park they've never been to or showing them a movie that I love or whatever. Like it, it, I just like watch their face and I get excited the whole time. So I can totally see that. Like that's, that's definitely something that I understand from a sharing perspective. I don't know if my brain understands it as much from a like experiencing it perspective, <laughs> but that is a discussion for me and my therapist. Um, so <laughs> this is supposed to be more about design. So let's talk a little bit about some of what, what we love about Exalted. So I'm going to ask everyone what, like, what you think contributes most to the line, either setting-wise or mechanics-wise or both either. Like, what, what do you think makes Exalted special? Because it is a very special game. Like, it, it is such a different iteration of the storyteller system from, like, other White Wolf licensed properties. Um, and it is, it, 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 it captures the fan base in a way that, like, I didn't realize when I first took over. Um, and now that I've been a little more involved in the fan base and I've, I've, I've spoken to a lot of them and I hang out in the Discord sometimes, it's uh, it, it's fascinating how much love people have. I mean, even all of y'all, like, if you look at pretty much all of our writers on Exalted or Exalted fans, like, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to write for the line if you're not some kind of fan. Um, so what, what, what is it about the game, do y'all think, that makes it kind of keep people coming back and keep people excited about it and keep people playing these years-long games? Um, it makes you feel, it makes you feel powerful uh, in a way that other games simply don't. I mean, you know, the, the joke is you play like D and D and something, and you struggle to kill a rat or something like that um, at first level. But then, you know, by fifth level, you get fireball if you're a wizard, and it's great. And then later on, you get this great numinous power. And Exalted starts you off at what would be you know, 12th or 13th level in a D&D game. Uh, and it only goes up from there. And more so than just the raw power that you have and the inability to worry about things that a lot of other people have to worry about, you just you just shrug them off like they're nothing. And more so than that, it's the feeling that you are one of the most important people in the world and you are a mover and a shaker. We've got a lot, we've had a lot of discussion behind the scenes about the the great man of theory history and none of us really subscribe to it but um you know in terms of that theory the exalted are the great men and one exalt can really change the world by putting their minds to it and they have the power to do that and be a a, a one person army essentially and it's a heady feeling and it's a, a feeling that not a lot of games give even the ones that say oh this is super epic this is super this this is super high level play it's you're that from the start. That's the, that's the default. I'm going to tackle the flip side of that. Cause Neil and I actually are sort of on opposite sides of a philosophical divide, I think in terms of exalted game design, which is that yes, it is very important to exalted that you are powerful, that you have an impact on the world right from the get go if you want. Uh, but also while exalted can be pure power fantasy, that's not, really what this setting is written to do it's written to address the fact that yes you have the power to shape the world but it is a world it is a complex place full of complex people doing various things and you don't just run roughshod over it you 
interact with it and it changes in response to what you do in interesting and ways that have verisimilitude to them. And I think it's the depth and complexity of the setting and all its moving parts and all the ways that you can interact with it and change it and be changed by it that is for a lot of Exalted fans, an essential part of the experience. Yeah, there's no backseas in Exalted. Um, it's a game about mm-hmm. consequences. Um, so you don't just have the power. I mean, I, I think the power is an integral part of it, but it's about the consequences of having and wielding power uh, that are upon the world that is where Exalted really shines. And it's a subtle thing, like Eric was saying, um, because you do have this big complex world and you know, you think that you have all this power to solve problems and you solve a problem and three more arise in its place. And you're like, oh, I guess that easy solution to the problem was not so easy after all. Uh, so, you know, I think the to, to kind of unify our, our what our likes about the game are here, um, I think the power is what attracts a lot of people and what gets a lot of mm-hmm. people into the game. What keeps them staying around is the consequences and the sort of weighty moral impact um, that you have to think of if you play this game. Okay, I'm going to jump in now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to hear, I was like, oh, their mom and dad are fighting. I want to hear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, which one's on and which one's dead? I have to uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let the audience decide. I don't want to get, I don't want to. Okay, okay. So, um, <laughs> so when we, we yeah, yeah, we can have two we, dads. We that's fine. That's dads. fine. Dad and dad are dad fighting. Dad and dad are fighting. Um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when we were working on um, Crucible of Legend, which is the upcoming Exalted Storyteller's Guide, um, we were trying to figure out, like, okay, so what is Exalted about? Because that's a really hard question to answer, as you mm-hmm. just heard. <laughs> um, and so we basically broke down what Exalted is about into three modes of play. Uh, because there's basically, I can summarize the three different ways you can approach an Exalted game into the three types of games that we broke down into um uh into crucible and the first one is creation as stage which is sort of like a high action martial arts uh run rough shot over create not don't run rough shot over creation there's still comp- consequences of your actions but like it's about big action and it's more about focusing on like the fun wuxia martial arts action film um shonen anime hero type aspects of the game right because they're present uh and you fo- you turn the dial more on be doing big things and being big heroes and and like doing cool shit uh, and you know explosions putting your sunglasses on and walking away from them like that it's, it focuses on on that sort of thing and it is generally more upbeat and more positive um, and focusing less on the consequences even though they are still present you just shift the focus more towards action and then you have I think it's creation as threat which is where you turn up the sort of horror elements that are present in the setting um and like you make the great curse more important uh you make limit more important you turn the focus inward and you talk about like the fearful consequences of having you know truly world shaping power um like you you make the idea of being the great man or the superhero frightening and like that's a totally valid way to approach it too, because as Eric pointed out, there are consequences, and like it's really complicated, and it's not just about running roughshod. Because if you do that, then you're the bad guy. And you can even lose sometimes. Yeah, and you can even lose sometimes. And like creationist threat turns that in there. Um, and then the last one is creation as cost, which is very much about like 
truly about consequences and about being thoughtful about your power and like what do you what what happens when you do this who loses when you win um and so we you can basically spread the way you play exalted across those three types and all three of them can be present in your game uh and and they probably will if you're running exalted to the nines um, but how you choose, but choosing to focus on one over the others is not wrong or bad. It is simply your choice. Mm-hmm. Which one is, like, which one covers Exalted as soap opera? I mean, I think that's the stage that's, that co- goes, falls under stage because the melodrama is important too. That fits. I mean, I mean like, I think you can do melodrama in all of them. There, it's mm-hmm. just how you do melodrama is colored by which approach you do because Exalted is totally sometimes a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right and, and because it's such a complex game we kind of had to break it down into these three parts and be like these are the three ways you look at you can focus on it and these are the elements you can bring in um to like make it more scary or more high action or more tragic uh and uh so tldr they're both right <laughs> 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 Aw, so positive. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a complicated game where everybody is kind of the good guys and everybody is also kind of the bad guys. And I think that's really compelling. That's, um, that's something that I think we've seen with superhero stories in the past, you know, couple decades, too. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's been done before that, but like... Mm-hmm. You've definitely seen it more in like some of the Avengers films and things where you are seeing the, the consequences of what these, you know, super heroic people do. Because, um, yeah, you can have a battle that destroys a whole city, but people lived in that city. Oh, yeah. Or you can make a deal with, you know, a, a minor god to do something, but there are people that worship that minor god or that minor god has responsibilities. And, you know, what have you done kind of things. Oh, by the way, this reminds me of something that's uh, come up in discussion recently about the idea that like no one is entirely a good guy or a bad guy, which is that, you know, honestly, sometimes people really are just kind of awful people, but that can be tricky to deal with when you're running a game like exalted, because, you know, in D and D, if someone just the bad guy, you can set them up as the bad guy and you have to deal with the challenge of, can you defeat the bad guy and so on and so forth. But if an exalted, you can just sort of march in and just, knock over the people who are just awful that just sort of sets up situations where your players are like if i want to be a decent person as my character i just have to do x and y and z Mm -hmm. and so it's a little harder to just have like truly banal evil with no redeeming qualities and no ability to say well i see their point and it sort of pushes you as a designer to add complexity where in real life there might not actually be any so it sounds like what all of you are saying on some level is that the thing that we like the most about Exalted is the nuance. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the heart of it. I mean, it's, 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 it's true, though. Like, I feel like, I mean, you know, there's, there's been a lot of discourse about this recently, and I don't want to get into the, the, the orc dis- discourse or anything on, on the podcast right now. Happy to talk about it outside of it. Um, but there, there has been a lot of talk recently about D&D and some other games' tendency to just cast an entire, you know people as evil or say like okay well you're good and they're evil so you can kill them and not feel bad about it and like that that can be great i guess if you just want to kill a bunch of dragons and not feel bad about it but like maybe you should feel bad about it a little or you should think about if your character would feel bad about it at all or are are there consequences to your actions because i i 
I, I do think that's something that's that's missing in in some games that I actually really like in both Exalted and a lot of the horror games that we do. Yeah, and you can play a character in Exalted who's like, those are bad people or not people, and I can just kill them and not feel bad about it. But that's a decision you're making. The setting is not going to provide you any kind of moral or ethical support for that stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And that's interesting. So, I mean, so what... That's another question. I'll start with uh, Neil on this one. What changes over the years are you happiest about in Exalted? I think uh, the the movement back towards a more human level area of play, a less less cosmic interest stuff, um, is definitely a great movement. Um, you know, uh, first edition definitely had the, the the very human human hearts epic stories feel to it. And second edition, um, a lot of the writers, myself included, I'm not exempting myself, um, got very focused on the massive stage of fighting, you know, the, the, the titans who made the universe and, you know, flying a, a, a battle station that's also the sun deep into the wild and how exciting that could be. And um, I think a lot of us kind of miss the store, miss the forest for the trees. Mm. Um in doing that. And so bringing it back down to a much more human level, I think is one of the biggest changes I'm excited about. And any part of it that increases that nuance that we were just talking about um, really interests me. Uh, you know, one of the, one of my favorite parts is way back in first edition in a, in a cast book Zenith and um, the, the Zenith cast solars are um, the priests of the unconquered sun and they're, supposed to be sort of charged with a concept of righteousness. And, you know, the Unconquered Sun tells one of them, Panther, um, you know, go forth and be righteous in my name. And Panther spends like a couple months in game and a couple, you know, uh, uh, you know, many weeks in solitude, like pondering what it actually means to be righteous. What is, what does that mean? Because the Unconquered Sun doesn't tell him and he doesn't know. So um, I think, you know, that that sort of thing and that sort of moral weight and, and moral thing to wrestle over is something that Exalt has really gotten back to. And I think it's f- for the better in the line. Uh, Monica, Eric, you have any thoughts? I am 100% behind that. <laughs> <laughs> well, also any thoughts on, on other, other changes that we've made or anything? I mean, um, I think I'll just go right ahead and say that uh, the Exalted staff is doing their best to get rid of the gross stuff. Uh, I don't want to list Exalted's litany of sins, but there used to be yeah. some real gross stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's, even, it's really interesting how even stuff from 2010 doesn't really hold right? up to 2020. Yeah, it's shocking. Um, and and like not all of it is gross. Some of it is stuff that was just thoughtless, like um, like the previous versions of the matriarchal dragon blooded empire was then like, oh, and all the leaders are men, and we were. When we were re- working on Dragon Blood, we were like, "Well, how about we don't do that? <laughs> how about we put women in being important too? Like, come on!" Uh, and the thought we put behind that, and like um, the the infamous gayness sidebar, um, uh, infamous because on my other show Ray said it in a very funny way. But anyway, um, uh, like we talk about what it means to be queer in the realm, which is very focused on reproduction. And we talk about like being trans and the same thing. And like the thoughtfulness that went into talking about things in a modern sense 
Um, which I like, I think Exalted did its best for the time period it was in, but we can mm-hmm. do better now and we are. And I think that's great. Yeah, I I will say I'm I'm very pleased with our staff right now. I would I would like to diversify it even more, but mm-hmm. currently we do have a good number of queer folks. We have people of color. We have a few trans folks who work for the line. Um, so we do have people like that have lived these experiences looking at things, um, and that's that's great. Like I am I am very pleased with uh, the Lunar's core book for how inclusive it is and how it got turned on its head from previous editions. Um, and that they're not like, you know, they're barbaric savages. Let's not use those words. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they have, they have their own civilization and culture. Um, it's, it, it was interesting for me coming into that process. Cause that was the first book I kind of saw the whole process on um, for exalted. Cause dragon blooded was like about to be kickstarted when I got this job. Um, so watching that kind of get worked out and untangled over the course of, you know, a year plus and some untangling we're honestly still doing in the errata phase, like this, this, we, we keep listening to people up until the book goes to print. Um, but like watching that happen was, was fascinating since I wasn't familiar with earlier editions of Lunar. So I had to go look and then I had to come back and look at what we're doing now. And I think Lunar's is beautiful and I, I love the way it's written and I love all the characters and I love the dynamic of, of the, the various groups that are, that are out there. And it, it's, it's a full rich culture and it's really fascinating that in prior editions they kind of weren't cast that way. Um, one of the first things I ever like wrote for Onyx Path was uh, some work on uh, one of the Pugmire books. And I ended up having to, when I was developing one of the, the adventure books for Realms of Pugmire, I had to do a whole sidebar on whether or not badgers were barbarians in, in the realm and in, in, in the realms of, of, of Pugmire. And the answer is that they're not. They have a culture. It just doesn't look the same as cat and dog culture. Um, and there are actually like backstage reasons for that that I can't talk about. Uh, but it, it, it was interesting because that's, you know, that's a, a kind of cute game about dogs. And I had to address it. And then the fact that, you know, y'all addressed it in such a big, real way and just turned it on its head and changed it was really, really cool. So, Eric, favorite change? Kind of think that Neil and Monica covered the things that I might have thought of. So I'm not really sure how to answer this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, um, that happens to me all the time when we're on panels for Onyx Path or whatever. Is somebody will start at the opposite end for me and be like, favorite game line. And everybody will mention all the game lines I was going to mention. And then I'm like, uh, um, uh, I don't know. E, all of the above. <laughs> My favorite change is now I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will add two last things to the stuff that we like. I definitely, uh, in the meta sense and the out of game sense, um, we are definitely addressing a lot of the language that was built into exalted and a lot of the assumptions that were built into exalted from the start of it. And, um, some of the not great implications that kind of come from that language. I mean, Barbarian is a great example, um, but we are really kind of looking at the game top to bottom. And every time one of us mentions a new term, like, and three of us are like, ooh, you know, I don't think anyone's ever, ever, ever really thought about the implications of that term. Um, it's, it's always eye opening, and, and it's happened to everyone mm-hmm. on the line um, more than once. But one of the things I also really like is the, um, the sort of uh, taking away from the the focus on the solar exalted, the the core book in the first edition uh, made a very big deal about 
the solar exalted returning. And as it should, they are, you know, foremost among the exalted and their kind of wicked cousins, the infernals and the abyssals have a, a, an equal, equal amount to contribute to the world, but um, they don't exist in a vacuum and they're not the answer to all the world's problems. And one of the things I really like that Eric and Vance have been pushing a lot in the line is that um, the wonders of the first age were built with the entire exalted host not just because the solars are gone, everything went went to crap. It's because the solars left or were exiled, I should say, and all the other exalted started fighting themselves. One of the my favorite little tidbits in the new lunars book is the um, war between the solars and the lunars just after the the divine revolution, the the war against the the titans, um, because it puts the lunars in a place mm-hmm. of power and a place of relative equality to the solar exalted that I really enjoyed and made me as a, someone who really likes playing lunars uh, feel very empowered. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, this is about essence rather than third edition core, but like one, one thing that we've been saying since the beginning is that we're putting alternate exalt types in essence. We, we are definitely doing that. It's, it's been written. Um, <laughs> but like you can play a mixed exalt game. Um, and because of that, we had to like kind of figure out how to not completely balance because one, one thing that Eddie Webb told me, uh, when I was first kind of getting into this, that I have taken very much to heart is that it, it's pretty much impossible to actually balance a game and you should never sacrifice fun for balance. Um, so, it, so when I say that we've balanced them, you know, I'm not saying that everybody is completely equal all the time because that's not how it works in a game. Um, game game balance is a slightly different thing from equality, like just a, across the board as far as power levels. But we did have to figure out a way to make it so that you know, dragon blooded and and solars and sidereals and you know, Gatimians could all fight together in a group, and that was a really fun design challenge I think for everybody. But also it was it, it, it was a challenge. Um, I know Monica, I think you had some thoughts on that when we were first talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, my, my thought starts with Eddie's statement because you're right, you can't balance anything, but you can do your best to make sure there are no bad choices, which is right. really what's the what's behind all of that. Um, and so we worked hard, and I'm still working hard because I'm trying to get these charms back to you guys so you can <laughs> help me help me polish them even more. Um, this, that mine was just like a system pass. Like, let's just make sure everything works with the system and is written the way we need it to be written. Um, so like, and part of that is, is taking out things where I was like, this charm you've written basically decide makes the storyteller decide whether or not you get to use this effect and you mm-hmm. need to make it more, more active and be something that the player decides because otherwise you're leaving someone holding something where they are just like, mother, may I, <laughs> can I yeah. use this please? And that's not, that's not, that's not great. Player um, agency is pretty important. <laughs> pretty, very important. Um, so uh, one of the, core principles of that is that the baseline of all universal charms is that you assume exalt and then you make modes change how that works and so like we balanced in air quotes things by assuming that the default level is exalt and you can go up rather than the baseline is solar and you have to work down right which makes more sense that's fun yeah and it's been it's been really cool to see what people have done with that one of my favorite little exercises that we've been doing as we've been doing the charm creation and uh, the charm red lines 
is um, I saw that some people were kind of pursuing themes and the charms that may, maybe went a little off the beaten path. And I expressed a concern to Monica. I was like, I'm not sure if we're covering all of the base themes that each exalted type should, should cover. And Monica's next question, which was very reasonable, was like, well, what are the core themes of each exalt type? And I was like, uh... So we had a very long discussion with uh, Eric and Vance and, um, you know, as a, as a team with all the developers coming together to kind of pick at least three different elements that each exalt type was good at. Like what are, what are their themes that need to be expressed in the charm set? Absolutely. And I think we've, we came up with a really solid uh, list. And in fact, that um, even helped you can, you can go back at the actual charm sets that have been published already and see those themes emerging mm-hmm. from the work. And I think it's I think it's really good that way. Yeah, sometimes actually just putting a label on something isn't the worst way to go about it. Uh, because we can sit here and talk all day in our, our Slack or whatever about, you know, what it means to be an abyssal or what an abyssal is. But like if you can boil it down to like three terms, that's really helpful for writers. Because if you can just keep those things in your head while you're working on it. I mean for, for writers, for developers, uh, even for for players, like we might look at that list when we go to actually put the whole book together and we might stick those, you know, little three word things under each exalt type in their like splat section, because that might be really helpful for players. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that I, as a player, if I can hit on like, you know, two or three things just to keep in mind, if I'm playing a game I haven't played before, that's super useful, I think. And on the flip side of formal lists of things, uh, one of the things I like about third edition is how it has worked to try and break out of the sort of formalized, calcified compartmentalization of the world that we often saw in earlier editions as the game progressed. Uh, at the start of first edition, uh, there was definitely a very clear sense that this was a wide open world full of strange mm-hmm. things. You didn't necessarily know it was around the next corner, but as a line went on, Things got put into boxes. There were these kinds of spirits and these kinds of things happened in this part of the world and you knew where everything was. And when someone came up with some new idea for a creature or a society or a power, it was like, where does this fall into our standard schema of things? Right. And third edition has made a concerted effort to break from that, to make it a world in which there is a lot of strange, wonderful or terrible stuff that if you are a long-term fan, you might not necessarily be familiar with. The world was literally made bigger. The third edition map basically stretches out beyond the edges of the second edition one. And there's various people and there's various places and things around the edges of that map that were off the map in previous editions. There are now new exalt types like the exigents and the liminals and even the optional ones that are going to come up in the exigents book that may or may not be in your game, depending on whether or not you want them there. There are spirits that are not gods or elementals or demons or ghosts. They're just some kind of weird spirit, and you don't know what it is, and you don't know how it works. Um, It's much more aimed at giving storytellers freedom to just make stuff up and write an environment in which players and characters can be confronted with things and not know what's going on and have to make their own decisions rather than sort of consulting like the grand guide of how did we deal with this in second edition. That's... that's that's much more interesting to me too, because like, 
I don't know. If you're playing a character who's familiar with the occult, is it more interesting to be like, you have encountered a spirit that you've never seen before? Or is it more interesting to be like, you have encountered spirit number 23C that you learned about in school? <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's okay, cool. Like, you can deal with it. But like, the unknown and and, and mysteries are a lot of the fun of, of tabletop gaming to me. I mean, that's, that's, that's the fun of books and movies and things, too. Like, it's not fun to watch a movie if you figured out the ending in the first five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not super exciting, but being able to like learn and discover and see new things and, you know, maybe be creeped out by something you haven't seen before. That's, that's definitely a more interesting space to play in. And if you do want to play in a space where everything is figured out, you can do that. You just don't have new things. It's, it's much easier to go in one direction than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Leaving that space open um, for I feel like there's there's a, a balance there that needs to be struck. Like I, like running certain games can be difficult for for me and for other people like me who overthink everything, um, because if there's not anything defined or almost nothing defined, then it's like I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where I should go. But Exalt is amazing because we have these source books and these plot books that are like, here is a whole bunch of details about the realm or a whole bunch of details about the specific city or part of the world or, you know, what what have you. So you can start there (laughs) if you need it spelled out for you. And then if you want to, you know, improv as you get farther away, you can. But it, 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 it gives you all the tools you need. And we do deliberately leave a bunch of spaces wide open so that if you don't want to have to deal with the fact that there is an entire book on the realm full of minutiae that you might not want to absorb, you just go somewhere else where you don't have to deal with this and you can make stuff up as you go. Also, just the the, the scale of creation is so huge. <laughs> it would take us hundreds of books to fill up every corner of, of, of creation. Um, I remember the first time... I've actually forgotten the dimensions... Exactly. But I remember when I looked at the map and someone pointed out how big the realm or the uh, Blessed Isle actually was. And I was like, that's what? Because <laughs> like, oh, if, you, if, if you look at the map, it doesn't look like it's gigantic. It looks like it's a it's, it's an island, you know, it's it's a I don't know. hundred miles, maybe, maybe if that. And it's it's so big. <laughs> it, I don't even know if we would make it quite that big if we were doing things from scratch, but we would want it pretty big. We want, we don't want to ever have a situation where we filled in every corner. We want every part of the world to have places where you can say, nothing's been written here. Let me just put in my own thing. Mm -hmm. In case some of the listeners of this podcast don't actually know how big it is, it is bigger than the big top chunk of Africa. And most of that top chunk of Africa is the Sahara Desert. So stuff that would be, you know, uninhabitable desert in our world is arable land with a mountain in the middle of it um, and it's filled with people. So it's the Blessed Isles is gigantic. Ask how you're defining the big top trunk of Africa. Do you mean the part before it gets narrower? Uh, the part, bef- yes, the part before okay. it gets narrower. <laughs> um, basically the... Basically the part where there, there there's yep, the yep, yep. Saharan part of it and then the okay. sub-Saharan part. So Pretty much everything above the, uh, the equator. And, you know, the Blessed Island Edition yes. does have deserts and mountain ranges and trackless forests and, you know, trackless swamps and other trackless places. So it's not entirely inhabited. There are large swaths or not, but it's still huge. And the populated areas are still broadly expansive. 
Yeah, no, it is. It is wild to me. And I'm still like, that's, that's been the hardest part. I think when I was working on some of the fiction and, and, and a few other bits of it is just adjusting my uh, sense of scale, I guess what I'm thinking about creation. Cause my brain still wants to make it like, I don't know, you know, our, our world size, I guess, <laughs> just because that's what my brain has been familiar with in terms of geography for the past 35 years. Um, I knew geography when I was a baby. You're absolutely correct. I was an infant, knew all about the world. Um, but like, actually, like, trying to hold that in my brain and remember that the Blessed Isle is the size that it is, and then looking at the rest of the map and going like, holy shit, this world is too large. The, the setting does sort of dance the line between this is aiming at verisimilitude and this is fantasy size and it doesn't always land solidly on one side or another. And I don't know whether this is deliberate originally, but that sort of incoherence can be useful in that it lets the individual storyteller or group decide which side they want to lean towards. Mm -hmm. Totally. So we are actually at about an hour because talking to y'all is easy and fun. Yay. Um, so if anybody has a final thought or pointer about either mechanic design or setting design of Exalted, I know we talked mostly about setting and also feel. Uh, so I'm going to throw this one to Monica, because Monica always has a thought about mechanics. Um, so if you want to leave us with a final few thoughts and then uh, tell us where people can find you, follow you. Okay, sure. Uh, let me pull something out of my ear really quick. Um, I really it's a weird think place to keep mechanics. It's... Closest to my brain. Um, I almost <laughs> said but, but that's furthest away. Uh, so, like, um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> All right. I will. <laughs> uh, so I really like, I think it's really important, and it's through every single version of Exalted, including Essence, is that Exalted puts um, being cool fantasy superheroes first, and it, it gives you the cool permissiveness to, like, yeah, do a backflip over a cart and stab a guy and then land on the next roof like that that the sort of thing that in i'll pick on DD, whatever in a DD game might require you to roll a 20 on an athletics check for you to even accomplish it exalts mm -hmm. do every session um like that feeling of oh i rolled a natural 20 and i did this one cool thing imagine if you could do that every session and you were encouraged to describe how you do so and that's consistent exalted play um the same with its big scale of success uh, the way uh, charms make you feel like a badass and the way the tempo and pacing of the game lines itself up to feeling like a big damn hero, which is something it enormously succeeds at. That is one, one of the things Exalted is very successful at. Um, and I like that. And that, I think the, the rush of feeling cool and having the rules line up with you are a demigod superhero, mega weapon, go forth and kick ass, uh, and that the rules say, yeah, sure, go ahead, um, is one of the things that I think is intoxicating about it, and that's part of what brings people back to doing it more. Awesome. Yeah, and that's 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 something that we have... I think that's one of the most precarious balances that we had to play with when we were working on Essence at first, was making sure it yeah. still felt epic and heroic and huge without somebody having to roll 400,000 dice and do a bunch of math. <laughs> And I will tell you, after a whole bunch of make sure the system works tests, we've nailed it. <laughs> oh, that's a huge thing we have to live to now. Okay. All right. Monica's yep. out of the podcast. 
All right, we nailed it. Yeah, I mean, sure. You can, you can, you can cut that. Like, <laughs> nope, nope. Say it in. Say it in. Oh, I need that pressure. In? All, All right, right, cool. All right. All right. <laughs> I think we've nailed it. Whatever. So, where can people find you, Monica? Your socials, your podcast, whatever. Yeah, if you want to listen to me yell about all different kinds of game design, not just Exalted, um, I have a podcast. It is called Bonus Experience. You can find it at bxpcast.com or by going to misdirectedmark.com and clicking on the Bonus Experience logo. You can find our feeds there. Um, we're also at Bonus EXPcast on Twitter, and you can find us and we post updates when our podcast releases and all that. Um, and if you want to just follow me, um do so at your own risk uh i am at zenith sun because you have the most on brand twitter handle of all of us <laughs> uh all right neil final thoughts on uh this because i'm gonna save the the line dev for last yeah um i am incredibly ex- excited for exalted essence um you know i i've said this before but uh prior to this i was kind of getting really burnt down on exalted i ran a third edition game for a while and it you know it really wore me out and i was actually very much considering quitting the line uh and just focusing entirely on other games and uh essence has really brought me back i'm truly excited to be part of exalted again i'm truly excited to be doing something new something that i feel is necessary and seeing the fan base detox of you know what i'm going to change my answer from earlier <laughs> about what i've liked over the years the Exalted fan base has gotten markedly less toxic over the years. Um, there was sort of a high watermark in second edition, and then it's gotten steadily better and better since. And the Discord is still a place of discord and uh, arguments, but for the most part, it's incredibly friendly and very supportive. Yeah, I, I love the Exalted Discord, honestly, and I love our Slack. Um, but like I, I have had very few less than positive experiences with um, the Exalted fan base in my two and a half years of like stewarding the line. And most of the interactions I would have that I would think were negative at all tended to be cleared up with a little bit of conversation. And that's awesome. Like they're really cool people. I can't speak to prior fan bases. I don't know them. (laughs) But all the current ones are very, very nice. Absolutely. Um, And, uh, yeah, you can find me online um, at Burnt Neil, B-U-R-N-T-N-E-A-L-L on Twitter. Uh, I'm also Neil on the Onyx Path forums, and you can find me uh, with various permutations of my name on um, social media and on Discord. Awesome. So, Eric, do you have any final thoughts on mechanical bits or other bits? Ooh, mechanical bits. I, I am really looking forward to Exalted Essence because, I mean... I can work with mechanics, I can edit them, I can run games, I can design stuff, but I'm not really like a, a crunch maven. Mm-hmm. I prefer something a little lighter, and I'm really eager to see how Essence resolves the problems of handling you know, the complexities of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not to say that anybody who enjoys those complexities is wrong. Well, um, I know tons not. of people love all the crunchy bits. Uh, Vance is a genius at writing crunchy bits. Oh, yes. And uh, so are all, all of our mechanics writers, though Vance is you know, the, the person that all of them, them flow through eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just genius at it. And I don't know how they keep coming up with 
90,000 word charm sections for multiple yeah. books. It, it hurts my brain a little. <laughs> um, In terms of, you know, final thoughts on the setting yeah. and also mechanics, I guess. Uh, one of the attractions of Exalted has always been that, unlike a lot of other games, especially D&D, it's, you're not necessarily expected just to be focused on this is how you beat people up and you can beat people up with your fists or a sword or with spells. Uh, Exalted is designed and intended to let you interact with the world in any number of spheres of activity. You can be a master mariner, a brilliant uh, artisan, a uh, you know expert negotiator or bureaucrat. And I'm really looking forward also to seeing how Essence handles that because as best we've tried, some of those systems have not always been the best way that we possibly could have approached them. And I'm looking forward to seeing my ability to try all these different things in the Essence system. Aw, thanks. I'm excited too. Yay. And where can people find you, follow you? Oh, I have honestly been way too busy to actually maintain much of an online presence. I used to have a blog. I just haven't updated it in years. Right now, insofar as you can find me, it's generally going to be on the Onyx Path forums, forum.theonyxpath.com. And, you know, I poke my head into the Discord and RPG Net and a few other places, but that's generally where you're going to find me if you want to talk to me or to Vance. We maintain a thread, the uh, Ask the Devs thread on the Onyx Path forums where you can ask us questions and we can give you answers most of the time. That thread is so long and intimidating, too. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Exalted just always being a little extra. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not intended to be some sort of mandatory errata thread that you must read and analyze. Oh, no. It's just. You know, if you have a question, we'll try and answer it. But, you know, it's not a published canonical book. These are not rules we're giving you. We're just, we're people who love the game and the setting and the mechanics. And we try and help you out. But ultimately, if it's not covered by the book, you got to address it in your own way, at your own table, however you think is best for your game. Yeah, totally. That, and that, that goes for all games. That's just good advice. Yay. Uh, well, thank you all for being here. Thank you for sitting down and chatting for a little bit. I was hoping to keep this kind of casual kind of coffee talk situation, and we did. Um, hopefully, maybe in the future, uh, possibly after we've done some more passes on Essence, we can do something else, maybe get some fan questions up in here. Uh, I just like talking about Exalted with y'all and anybody else that wants to join. You know, I, I'd love to get Lauren Roy or, or Megan Fitzgerald or somebody on the next one. Um and yeah, if, if any of the listeners have questions for anyone, feel free to leave a comment on the blog or on our podcast itself. And uh, I will try to get back together with everybody maybe in the next few months. Uh, thank you again. And on to the outro. Welcome to the outro. Whoosh. Oh, I should have waited for the whoosh. Whoosh. That's fine. No, you can be... <laughs> The whoosh can move at either side if you need to. I'm going to get rid of the bongs and just use your little whoosh to go in and out of the round table now. <laughs> that could be so fun. That's fun. It was fun. I, was, I listened with rapt attention. I was very excited about it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our developers the other day, uh, Leith Shields, uh, talked about the fact that it was so obvious that none of us listened to his interview before. Oh, and really? <laughs> before we recorded the intro outro and i was like yeah you know it's just another like hour out of my week every week that because yeah. like i can't edit and listen to a podcast i can't send emails let's do a podcast there's very little of my personal work i can do while listening to something right so like 
and 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 when I do have time to listen to podcasts, like when I'm cooking and stuff, I want to listen to all of my entertainment podcasts that I listen to outside of the Onyx podcast. Right. So I listen to our episodes here and there. Every now and then, one that I thought was particularly funny when we recorded, I'll go back and like just listen to it when it comes out because I'm like, we were very funny in this one. <laughs> yes, the two or three times that has happened is worth listening to. I will. I will find myself. <laughs> One of the uh, Gehenna Gaming folks the other day was giving us a compliment in their Discord and said, uh, oh. like, is it a prerequisite for people that work for Onyx Path to be hilarious? Um, <laughs> and I was like, I was, I was like, was there a certain part? And he was like, no, you're always funny. And I was like, really? Cool. <laughs> uh, not not going to quit my job and go do stand-up or anything, but I'm, I'm glad we can amuse you for, you know, an hour and a half every week, thereabouts. So funny you mentioned stand-up. Um... Because we're all sitting down. <laughs> but a, no, terrible, terrible joke. Wah, wah. Farty um, horns. Uh. <laughs> Farty horns is going to be a thing in every episode now. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, um, uh, anyway. uh, actually, it's a party horn digression too. But the the, the, the stand up thing is, um, uh, there was a point right before the pandemic hit. Um, where we were watching just a lot of, of stand-up comedy on Netflix and a couple other places. But uh, so we're watching a bunch of them, and, and I, whenever I watch some, a lot of something, usually I start to kind of, my writer brain will start to break down structure. Um, so it's like, yeah, I know it's like, this is happening consistently and whatnot. And so I got really in the weeds of stand-up routine setups and how you know, you, you kind of put a routine together and how the jokes land and how you call back. And, um, and then in my head, like I started actually putting together what would a routine about working on Onyx Path look like. And I got like five minutes of her routine written before I'm like, when would I ever say any of this? <laughs> you know, when, when I, I could, cause it required audience participation and, you know, there was physicality in it. So it's like, at, at what points could I do this? Because I can't do it like at a convention because it's talking about inside stuff that only Onyx Path people know about. <laughs> uh, we could do it at one of the Onyx Path town halls that we hold for our developers. Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. Um, Eddie, don't start your stand-up career by forcing a lot of people to come to a meeting. <laughs> now that you've come to this uh, mandated meeting, we're going to tell jokes at you um, for five minutes, and you, have, well, you will laugh, because that is not your, your job is not on the line, but it's totally on the line. I have a question that I want to ask you while we're on the podcast, actually, sure. um, since you just mentioned like stand-up routines and everything. Ha have you seen Hannah Godspeed's Nanette? No, I don't think I have. Okay, so Nanette, I think, is a brilliant work of art uh, for a, a stand-up routine, because about... Mm -hmm. I don't want to, like, give really major spoilers, but it takes a turn. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, and then she just put out a new one uh, this past week called Douglas, because she names them after random things. Douglas is her dog. Uh -huh. uh, and the first thing she does in Douglas, which you do need to watch Nanette first, in my opinion, to, like, get yeah. them both... But the first thing she has in Douglas is she stands there and does about five, ten minutes and just tells you exactly how her set's going to go. And it's, oh, okay. it's fascinating because she is an interesting comedian. Um, she is a queer autistic woman. Mm -hmm. um, and she is fascinating. And I love her. Like, she's one of my favorite stand-ups right now. Um, but yeah, she like stands there and just tells you exactly what's going to happen. And it still all lands. And I was I was blown away by that. Because I, I had never seen a comedian do that. There was another, um, uh, I want to say it was a neurotypical comedian um, I saw, but they, they basically started off saying, here's the joke. Here's the punchline. 
and it will make sense later. Um, and so I just give this random sentence, and then like they do 15 minutes of routine, and the routine ends on that sentence, and it is hysterical, even though you knew what it was going into it. I feel like I've seen um, that happen too. I, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, I I watch a fair amount of stand up comedy. I'm just really picky about my stand up comedy. Yeah. Um. So. There's unfortunately a lot of oh, there's uh, 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 sadly what I've I found that my personal metric is like okay when do we get to the trans joke there it is shut it off you know um, yeah that's why I, just, I I tend to watch women comics sure. more than more than male comedians and if I do watch male comedians I I, I pick them very carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. But there, but there, but yeah, it's it, it's um, it, I enjoy obviously just right now laughing is great at yeah. this point, um, but also uh, uh, the fact that there is kind of a, a structure there, but how people play with that structure and use that structure differently or in, or, or emphasize the structure in different ways gives very 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 different styles of comedy, and I find that personally very fascinating. Same, same. I like I like comedy that makes uh, me feel smart. Yes. Um, like I, I was a big fan of Eddie Izzard when I was younger, like mm-hmm. still like Eddie Izzard a lot, uh, unless he's done something terribly problematic that I'm not aware of. Um, so. <laughs> but like, I, I remember watching Dress to Kill just over and over again because some of the jokes were just so damn clever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I liked the fact that there was a comedian who assumed that I had a working knowledge of like literature and language, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and world history. Um, and that, that made me happy because up, up to then, most of the standup I had seen was the very, like, take my wife, ha ha ha, kind of crap. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, I, like, got into that, and I don't want to say that I'm into, like, smart comedy, because I will totally laugh at a fart joke, clearly. Um, <laughs> right. But I do like it when comedy assumes that I am not an idiot. Like, that just makes me happy, so. No, it's I mean, um, there's a, a difference between, um, I was talking about this actually, uh, lowbrow versus highbrow and how that's not a good distinction. Um, a lot of people assume dumb comedy and lowbrow comedy are different. And I feel like there's a, there's a distinction. Um, like James Joyce, you know, there's an entire chapter in um, Ulysses, which is basically the entire chapter is just one long explanation of a guy taking a shit. Um, and it's the most elaborate, eloquent shit joke I've ever read. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, you're, you're, the, the fact that, the juxtaposition of those two is what makes it kind of funny to me. Um, so you can absolutely laugh at a fart joke, but still feel like you're enjoying and, and your intelligence is being respected. Yeah, like I, I, I feel like when a lot of people put highbrow and lowbrow into categories like that, they're just being kind of gatekeepy and probably a little classist. Completely agree. Um, because a lot of times people define highbrow things as things that you need to have had a somewhat decent education to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and lowbrow things as things that any dum dum on the street would laugh at, and it's like right. that's not how we should separate people. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's just not not how we should do that. <laughs> that's a weird delineation. No, I completely agree. And, and oftentimes, um, I find that uh, people conflate uh, lowbrow media with um, a, a disposable or. or, or to trash media, quote unquote. Um, so like the pulps were considered to be disposable trash media, detective stories, um, you know, uh, comic books, but yet inside of those, because they're not perceived, they don't have the same pressures of society to be good. Um, sometimes some genuinely brilliant things can come out of them. Yeah. I mean, look at um, science fiction as a genre. Yes, absolutely. Science fiction was considered to be a trash genre collectively. Um, and some of the most amazing literature, in our history have come out of it. Um, uh, I, I often point to 
like a lot of people talk, a lot of people joke with me. It's like, I mean, oh, you like Sherlock Holmes is so highbrow. I was like, no, Sherlock Holmes was the comic book of its day. Yeah, it came out in know. serialized form. And like by the time it got towards the end, he was just like, fine, I'll write more Sherlock if you give me more money. Like, I guess. Oh like, my God, yeah. Like it was not like, yeah. Like he just happened upon a formula that worked really well. And Arthur Conan Doyle happened to be fairly smart about writing that character. Right. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was Superman comics. <laughs> it was. And I mean, it, it's so, yeah, it's, uh, it's so kind of go back to, to, to stand up comedy. It's like, there are smart comedians. There are, there are comedians that uh, appeal to uh, a more intellectual crowd. There are comedians that appeal to a less intellectual crowd. Um, and I can find humor and enjoyment in both of those. And I can find both of them really off putting and that's someone I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's not the content, it's not the style, it's whether they land it well and um, uh, whether they're just really thoughtful in the comedy. Cause uh, uh, there are some comedians that are exactly the kind of, I, I, I talk about my family, I talk about the frustrations of flying, you know, the, the, the very basic tropes, but if they could do it in an entertaining, funny way. Um, it can be really good as much as I know he's problematic now. Um, uh, 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 Louis, um, Louis CK. Yeah. Louis CK. I think Gross. I yes. But before all of that, um, uh, he actually did a breakdown where he did an entire joke about losing monopoly. Um, and it's actually a really good structural analysis of how a joke can work and how something extremely mundane can be elevated to being extremely funny. Um, so while but we are I not really, endorsing or saying you should listen to him. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, 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 I am in no way, shape, or form saying that he is a good person. Um, in no way, shape, or form, I am I condoning the stuff he's done. Um, and I'm not even saying that you should separate the art from the artist because that's not what I'm saying here. It was more the fact that seeing that joke helped me to appreciate structure and then find other people who could do that structure as well and, and also find enjoyment in them who also aren't creeps. Exactly. I love non-creep comedians. They make me happy. I love non-creeps in general. Everyone should just be a non-creep. Uh, so we should promote some stuff before we shut this down. Yes. Because we have gotten on the weirdest fucking tangent. Um, what? On this podcast? That never happens. <laughs> Let's talk about stand-up comedy for a while. Uh, folks should watch Nanette, and if you're like me, you should watch Nanette with Kleenex near you. Because um, okay. it it takes it is technically a stand-up comedy special i think it's <laughs> but a lot of white men had opinions about that on the internet after it came out um mm-hmm. so who knows maybe it's nothing maybe it's a monologue maybe it's performance art she addresses that in the second one so watch them both okay uh, <laughs> uh we do have the legend lore kickstarter going on right now yes it launched yesterday right please check it out which is why we're being vague because right because usually we have at least some sense of what we're doing but um we did postpone it um so that uh we can give some space to uh blackout tuesday which we were planning to launch on so yeah so legend lore is super cool you can play as yourself you can play as any human you want uh you can play i think as a resident of the fantasy realm already yeah there's a lot of really cool stuff you could do with it it's a super versatile system a pretty diverse cast of writers worked on it um it definitely promotes diversity and inclusion so i would def i i I would at least go look at it i think it's really cool uh Mm -hmm. it is compatible with uh 5e dnd rules so it doesn't take a lot of learning if you're already familiar with those uh which we can say on the podcast i can say 5e dnd here i just can't write it in the book (laughs) um weird 
And then next weekend, we have our Onyx Path online convention coming up, which we, we don't do. have. An, is there a name for that? Uh, last I heard, it was the Onyx Path Virtual Game Convention. Okay, I'm still going to call it Conix Path. Um, oh God. No, that was voted down. I don't. Danielle is not my boss. <laughs> Danielle was on. It's not my boss. And Conix Path <laughs> is a great hashtag if you capitalize all of the con. Capitalize C O N, lowercase y X, capitalize P A T H, Conix Path. <laughs> Fight me. Fight me in the street, Danielle. So for, 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 for literally everybody else, because the context of this. <laughs> um, this came up during the, our town hall, which at, at the time recording was yesterday. Um, and uh, uh, Dixie pitched Comics Path, and then Danielle immediately exercised a veto that we did not know she had, but apparently she did. She didn't even veto it, she just downvoted it. One downvote on Reddit does not like cancel out all the upvotes. <laughs> so, our, so our town hall meetings are Reddit now? Wow. <laughs> What, I'm sorry, Reddit and Imager are the main websites where I know that you downvote things. Fair enough. Um, Megan Fitzgerald upvoted it, so it's sitting at zero right now until somebody else endorses it. Uh, wait, no, because I upvoted it myself. It's at one. It's at one, and that means it's a net positive. <laughs> Either way, we will be hosting a virtual gaming convention on our Twitch channel and possibly some other places, depending on what games you play. Um, mm-hmm. keep an eye on our website for that because as of time of recording, we don't have like the schedule or anything up yet. Um, but we're, we're running it in conjunction with Gehenna Gaming, who I've talked about before and their virtual horror con that yep. I super enjoyed. Uh, so I trust them to put on an awesome little con for us. Uh, we'll all be there. Apparently at some point a live pathcast is going to happen, which we found out via the internet that we did not put up there. Via um, Twitter specifically. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're doing a live pathcast uh, next weekend, which don't know when that's going to be it, but I, I think it might be on video, which would be cool because we'll have the chat to interact with if that's the case. Yeah. Um, which I think will be better than our live ones that we've done through Podbean. Like I think that doing it on Twitch would be cooler. I mean, I, I I think the Podbean ones were, were fun. Uh, I'm glad we did both of them, I'll be honest. But at the same time, um, it, it just seemed like the, the calling in portion seemed like it ended up being more awkward than I had hoped it would be. Yeah, whereas um, if we're on Twitch, we just have the chat running. Right, and so we just respond to the chat, and, and we still get conversations going and whatnot. But uh, it, it, I feel like the, the disconnect helps to keep us focused because Lord knows we need it. That we have ever kept focus through an entire episode. I said more focus. I didn't say like absolute focus. Okay. It's like it's like on the slider, you know, it's moved from zero percent to twenty percent. Yeah. Um, that's just what I think everybody who backed uh, Technocracy Reloaded for Mage uh, the Ascension. Yes. Uh, that was an awesome campaign. I know that the that Kickstarter had a huge hiccup right at the end there, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure what would have happened as far as like people like. If you've ever watched the last hour of a Kickstarter, it's just the number going up and down and up and down and up and down as people, like, adjust their pledges. Right. Um, and so with that one, it was, like, I have no idea what it would have ended at. Like, if, if we would have gotten $10,000 more or $5,000 less, like, I, I, I don't know because mm-hmm. Kickstarter was real hiccupy. Um, but thank you all for backing it. And I'm super, super excited to get that book out to folks because it had a lot of really awesome reception. So. Yeah, no, that was... Um, frankly, there's a bit of a sigh of relief after uh, the first uh, Legend Lore Kickstarter uh, when we're not seeing where it was going. I was very unhappy. Um, so having another Kickstarter come out that people were really gravitated to was kind of a, whew, okay, good. 
Yeah, exactly. And with with Legend Lore this time, because the book is already written, we've released uh, the manuscript on DriveThruRPG. Uh, we'll be releasing, you know, goodies through the Kickstarter. And we've, we've lowered our goal. It's a fun project. Come check it out. We are fans. Um, I am a fan. And I'm a huge fan of Stephanie Devon, who uh, developed it. So if anybody's a fan of, of Steffi or her, her, her publishing company or her other work, definitely check this out because this is uh, we give her a lot of uh, free reign with, with certain parts of it, and I think that she did some really cool stuff. Completely agree. All right. Well, with that um, said, before we go, no. We go. Oh, fine, fine, um, fine, fine, fine. Um, uh, we 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 glossed over because in the the midst of all the comedy stuff, we did gloss over the farty horns. I, I want to read Matthew Dawkins did give us some reviews of the farty horns they found online. <laughs> oh, no, right. That I want to read. Uh, quote, I like how the first note tries to set up the atmosphere, then the song degenerates into a man dying of flatulence with an out-of-tune trumpet glued to his ass, unquote. Oh, my God. Uh, quote, to be fair, if I went to the real basement and this was playing over the speakers, I would be scared as shit as Psycho lives there, unquote. And my favorite, quote, the theme song of a drunken clown struggling to get into a studio apartment, unquote. <laughs> Uh, so farty horns part 12 oh my god see see i love highbrow humor for intellectuals (laughs) we're so smart (laughs) yeah i'm very (laughs) laughing at farty horns uh eddie if people want yes. to talk to you about Farty Horns or the virtual gaming convention or any of the other things we talked about, uh, where could they find you, follow you? Uh, they can find me at uh, Pugsteady.com. You can also find me uh, on Twitter at Pugsteady.com. Awesome. Um, although he's not here right now, I feel like I should still just throw out his handle. You can find Matthew Dawkins at Clack Click Bang on Twitter, and you can find him at MatthewDawkins.com. If you want to, mm-hmm. you know, hire him to write something spooky for you or to talk to you about farty horns, uh, he'd probably do that <laughs> if you paid him. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at Dixie Cyanide uh, pretty much everywhere. You can find us at theonyxpath.com, the Onyx Path, or pretty much all socials. Uh, as always, many worlds, one pathcast. Oh.